ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Truth. I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Hessen, back with another episode here in The Truth, back with another episode of On the Court, episode number 14 here as we are talking about the Detroit Pistons today. AJ, joined once again by you. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I think I'm a little bit higher on the Pistons than uh, you are coming off that last show, the disappointment you had <laughs> in your voice with them. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big fan of the Pistons this year. I don't think there's reason to. I'll explain why in the show, but I'm curious to see why you think they're going to be great this season. So we'll go ahead and dive into it then. So how on the court works, it's basically your individualized team preview as we get you guys as familiarated with your teams or just teams in general as possible to get you guys best prepared for the upcoming season in the NBA, going over players that maybe we don't know about, maybe we do know about. We'll first go over our three key players for the team's success this season. We'll go over our bust, our breakout player, sleeper, team MVP, key draft picks, offseason moves, two keys to success, and our conference division, our conference prediction standings this season. So without further ado, AJ, go ahead and give me your three key players for your uh, East Eastern Conference champion, Detroit Pistons. I do want to preface this. I do think they'll probably end up with a lottery pick. I don't think it's going to be like a top 10 pick. Like, I think it's going to be towards the end of the line. It's going to be like 14, 13. We'll preface that. I'm not, they're not making the playoffs. With, there's nothing wrong with believing in the Pistons hype. I'm curious to see what it is. I was just giving you a hard time about it. Uh, yeah, I know. I got you. So my first one has to be Kay Cunningham. Uh, coming off that injury, I think that the boy I've heard also is that they want to play more of that uh, point guard role than being just kind of like a secondary player. Uh, in the 12 games that he did play last year, averaged 19.9 points per game, 6.2 rebounds, 6 assists. And I think that he's going to build off of that. Obviously, I mentioned he had that injury early on in the season, and that derailed the, uh, most of the season. I mean, this team wasn't going to have the best season anyways, but uh, I think KKN, I mean, the pick where he was picked, I mean, what, first overall, what, right? First overall pick, KKN? Yeah. Being that, I mean, they wanted to build around him. Super talented there. I think it's easily probably the best player on this team. Next up, I'm going to go Jalen Duran. I mean, the youngest player in the NBA last year uh, in 67 games, 9.1 points per game, 9 rebounds, uh, 1.1 assists, a good amount of blocks also. He was one of those guys who, like I mentioned, youngest player in the league. I mean, I don't know what gets much harder than that than playing NBA being the youngest guy out there and and knowing you're the youngest guy out there. I mean, he didn't play the in the beginning season. He didn't start out the season the best. Uh, he wasn't getting a lot of minutes, which makes sense. Uh, he's new. He's young. They didn't want to push him too much. But towards the end of the season, he started having having a bigger role. As I mentioned, numbers four. He doesn't shoot any threes. Uh, 6'10", 250 pounds. So pretty built uh, center there for them. As uh, a good. A good centerpiece there. 64.8% uh, from the field, as I mentioned. Zero threes. Free throws need help. Kind of like Shaq, they're shooting 61.1%. It's a very low percentage uh, there. But defensively, uh, about block a game, uh, just under a steal game as well. Not many turnovers. He does have. He did average almost three fouls a game last year. So nothing to be too worried about. But also one of those things where you don't want that to become a habit where he's fouling too much. And then my last one, I'm going to go with Azir Thompson. I'm going to go over his stats later uh, when, I go, when we go over our key draft picks. But Azir Thompson, one of the top picks there in this last draft uh, coming out of OTE, him and his twin. 
uh, Amen Thompson. I think Azir is going to fit in really well with this team. I think him and Cade being that guard combo is going to be one. So I'm going to go with Cade Cunningham as my first key player. I mean, look, Cade Cunningham is one of the you know better players on this Detroit Pistons team. He's one of the better younger players in the NBA. Everyone knows that. Obviously, missed the majority of last season with injury, but he's back fully healthy this season. In his first season, 17.4 points per game. Last season, 19.9, just 22 years old, as mentioned. The former number one overall pick back in 2021. I think, you know, with the Pistons, when they were in the rebuilding phase, they wanted to kind of build around a guy like Cade Cunningham and, and build some surrounding factors. And Cade Cunningham is, like, kind of giving me Luka Doncic vibes as far as, like, just his, his brief stat line. I mean, 19 points per game, 6.2 rebounds, 6 assists. So a very well-distributed ball there. Um, he does need to work on his three-point shooting percentage a little bit. So I guess maybe not a good Luka comparison. Maybe like a Russell Westbrook or something like that. If he's able to improve his three-point percentage game, I think he's a far better player and is going to develop into one of the more premier players in the league. But we can't really judge based on how we think Kate Cunningham is going to play because we haven't really seen him play. Yeah, he played basically a full season. I mean, 64 games in his rookie campaign. But, you know, that's, that's a decent amount of games to get a good vantage point. But I really think the second year of, of players is where you really start to learn more about them. So we don't really know too much about him, but we know he's a stud. And we know that, I guess, there's a lot of potential there with Cade Cunningham, regardless of whether or not he plays you know, a lot. Hopefully he does play a lot, but the Pistons, in my opinion, as mentioned, are, are far from competing for anything spectacular at the moment. So being able to um, start to kind of build some pieces around Cade Cunningham is going to be important for them down the line. Next, I'm going to go with another young prodigy that they have in Jaden Ivey. He is entering his second season in the league. He had a bit, I, I would say his numbers were a bit fluctuated from last season because he did have more of an increased role with Cade Cunningham being out. But started in 73 games for the Pistons last season, had 16.3 points per game. At the shooting guard position, it's pretty solid. With, or point guard position, is pretty solid. What strikes me is the fact that he also averaged around 3.9 rebounds and 5.2 assists. So you got two guards here, Jaden Ivey and Cade Cunningham, that really did a good job of distributing. Now, granted, I think a lot of that success from Jaden Ivey was the fact that Cade Cunningham was injured for the majority of the season. So he had to be somewhat of a facilitator and move into that point guard position, which he is capable of doing. I think he's a better um, shooting guard, though. And I think this year it's going to be another developmental year for him. 34.3% from three-pointer last year. I think you see that go up a little bit. I think his points per game go up a little bit, especially if Cade Cunningham is healthy because Cade Cunningham – has expressed, especially through you know the off season when they those two are working out together, that he loves you know feeding him in the corner and getting him those open shots. So I think that's you know good to see for Pistons fans. These two young prolific shooters are having success. And then finally, I'm going to go with a savvy vet in Bohan Bogdanovich. I mean, Bohan Bogdanovich is one of those guys that just not a lot of people talk about. He's not a guy that's tremendously you know insane. He's he's pretty solid. I mean, he I would be happy if the Timberwolves had him because he is reliable. He is a little bit older there at 34 years old, but last season, 21.6 points per game, 3.8 rebounds, 2.6 to get assists. Again, I feel like a lot of these numbers for the Pistons that were fluctuated a little bit just because of Kate Cunningham being out, but Bohan Bogdanovich was a solid piece for them, and he was probably their best player, arguably. I mean, Jaden Ivey was probably their best overall player, but Bohan Bogdanovich was 
uh, one of the better players in general. And going into this year, I think it's going to be another similar situation for him. He actually had 40, he shot 41.1% from three point, which is actually pretty solid. I mean, that's almost half your three pointers are going in. So it was kind of weird to see a guy, a team like the Pistons have a guy like this that was able to have this type of success. So going into the season, he's going to have to continue that and be another shooting option for Cade Cunningham to go to. And I think he's going to be. What separates Bohan Bogdanovich from a guy like Jaden Ivey or something like that is, you know, I think Bohan Bohag Bogdanovich doesn't play as good of defense. He's more of just an offensive shooting weapon, which is fine to have. But maybe a little bit more consistency from Bohan would be fine. But I'm really excited to see Bohan play. And, and again, with a healthy Cade, this offense looks completely different. And, and that's something that, you know, the Pistons are obviously striving for and hoping happens this season. All right, go ahead and give me your bust. So, my bust, I have Killian Hayes. Uh, last year, Killian Hayes, I think he's a beneficiary of that Kate Cunningham uh, injury. Uh, he got a lot more minutes, had a career-high 10.3 points per game. Uh, assist was a career-high at 6.2. Rebounds at right around 3. Had 1.4 steals per game, blocks 0.4. But 2.3 turnovers per game, about 3 fouls per game as well. Shot 37.7% from the field, but shot 28%, which is surprisingly a career high uh, from three. Uh, field goal percentage at 82.1, so a good solid free throw percentage there. But I can mention, I think he was a beneficiary from the Kate Cunningham injury. His minutes jumped up by three minutes per game last year. His rookie year and his sophomore year averaged basically 25.6 minutes per game. Uh, last, year's, last year, 28.3 minutes per game there. Uh, his shots... Per game, went up, uh, he shot three more shots per game than he did before his first two years. And that time, I just don't see him having that big of a role. I think that he's been a bust pick uh, first two years of his career. I think a lot of Pistons fans also believe that as well. Him being the seventh overall pick back in 2020 uh, definitely did not help jumpstart that uh, rebuilding phase for them, especially the performance he's put out there. I think his numbers are going to dip down back to where they were before the Kate Cunningham injury uh, or potentially even lower with Azir Thompson, Jaden Ivey for sure. I think he's going to take another step forward uh, this year, but he was also kind of beneficiary of the uh, Kate Cunningham injury, but I think that he would have been able to put numbers either way. I think Killing Hayes uh, benefited one the most out of that because Ivey had to step up and they had to fill, a, fill an Ivey spot with uh, Killian. So I'm going to go with Joe Harris. Joe Harris is like the epitome of a role player, in my opinion. For the Pistons this season, though, I don't know how excited I am with Joe Harris. Last season appeared in 74 games for the Nets, started in 33 of them, and averaged 7.6 points per game. So, I mean, yeah, Joe Harris isn't known for his offensive production, but I feel like that's something that the Pistons need, especially off the bench, because he got a lot of high prolific scores that have capabilities of doing a lot of great things. But for me, that is something that does concern me with Joe Harris. I think over time, you know, being like the vet, the savvy vet, I guess you could say that he is, he will, you know, continue to develop into a more rounded role bench player. But I feel like also time's running out there for Joe Harrison. I feel like more than anything, he needs to make an immediate impact for the Pistons. And that's why they brought him in, was to try to make an immediate impact for them now, not down the line, you know, and help build up some of these younger guys as well. He played his last seven seasons with Brooklyn, his first two with Cleveland. Um, he's been consistent for them. But for me, like I said, I think the majority of his success came from the Brooklyn days. And I'm just hoping that he goes back to that because if he doesn't, I feel like they're in a worse position as a whole and, and, and for the Pistons in general. Okay, what about your breakout player? 
So my breakout player, this hurts me because he was a former warrior. It's going to be James Wiseman, uh, second overall pick back in 2020. Last year, averaged 10, 10 points per game, uh, six rebounds, just under assists, uh, half a block, not really any steals. But in that time uh, last year with the Warriors, uh, when he was with the Warriors, seven points per game, 3.5 rebounds, 0.7 assist but once he was traded over to Detroit 12.7 points per game 8.1 rebounds still 0.7 assists but his blocks uh, went by a little bit 0.8 blocks per game uh turnovers at 1.5 about three fouls per game uh 0.2 steals uh from the field he shot uh 55.8 percent from the field from three he's not the best three-point shooter. He, he shot 20 percent there but I think that he's going to create a really good combo, especially a really good combo with him and Duran. I mean, Wiseman being 7 foot 240, one of his big things was putting on size. He did have an injury uh, his second year, uh, the, knee in, the knee injury that he had. I think him and Duran are a really good combo right there. They're both uh, big man. They're both physical. And that was something that Wiseman did have, did have problems with in the beginning of his career was being physical. But I think uh, once he got to Detroit, he kind of, learned to be a little bit more physical. And I think Duran took a little bit more of that burden from the center, and he was able to flourish a little bit more down low. Yeah, I got James Wiseman as well. I mean, I feel like Golden State just completely gave up on James Wiseman. They drafted him with the number two overall pick, and then I felt like they're just like, ah, we don't really need you anymore. And granted, there was injuries. And I think the biggest thing with, like, with James Wiseman, with hustle, and then obviously physicality, and it just they realized that it wasn't going to be a good fit for either of them. So they eventually sent him over to uh, Detroit, Detroit. Um, and for me, I think this is actually a really good pick for, or a good move for him. I thought it was a better fit, obviously, than Golden State. I mean, for one, let's just start off by Golden State didn't trust him and didn't believe in him. But James Wiseman, a prototypical talent guy, seven foot, two hundred forty pounds at the center position. He's only twenty two years old as well, so still a lot of opportunity for growth for him, which is why I think a lot of people are excited for him and what he's going to do there in Detroit. But and that's also what a lot of people were excited about what he was going to do there in Golden State, and they obviously saw that he didn't want to do anything in Golden State. Not necessarily it wasn't his choice, but they just he just didn't do anything. Um, going into the season though with Detroit, as you mentioned, I think it's going to be a good combination there at the center position. I do believe that he can be a starter again at the center position down the line. I think there's a little bit more of growth and development that he does need to do. But if he stays with the Pistons for a period of time and he starts becoming more physical, particularly in the paint and just in general, I mean, this is a guy that has tons of tons of ceiling to have success for the Pistons and kind of be, you know, help the Pistons move forward. And if he does stick with them, I mean, the Pistons are in a really good shape as far as, you know, three, four years down the line by making the playoffs and getting back into all that mattered. And so that's a good thing for Pistons fans is having that in the back pocket. But James Wiseman, a terrific player. I think he does break out this season after getting traded midseason to Golden State or from Golden State to Detroit. All right, go ahead and give me your sleeper player. So my sleeper player, he was one of your key players. And I briefly said earlier that he was a beneficiary of the Kate Cunningham injury is Jane Ivey. I still think Ivey would have had a good season. Uh, I think his numbers were up. His usage was more up because of that injury. He had to step in and fill in that role there. Uh, Ivy, the fifth pick, averaged 16.3 points per game, 3.9 rebounds, 5.2 assists, shot 41.6 from the field, 34.3 for three, 74.7 from the free throw. He already has a good connection with Kate, as you mentioned before. Uh, 
we're talking about how they how, when they were training together. He started set, he played seventy four games, started seventy three of them. So he was already starting games before the Kate Cunningham injury, obviously being the fifth pick. You, that's the expectation that he was going to come in and play right away. Um, twenty one years old, uh, going to be twenty two about mid late season there, uh, for Detroit. I think that he'll probably put up very similar numbers. I think that uh, Azir Thompson and Cade are going to take away a lot. Uh, not take not take really take away a lot of shots, but take away more of the usage that Ivy did have last season. I still think he was going to be a solid player. Uh, probably be the point guard there, uh, or have Cade be the point guard and he run the two. As you mentioned, uh, he's Cade's a little bit kind of like that Westbrook Luca kind of uh style of play there. Uh, I think Ivy's going to be more of a shooter and uh, more of a true shooter there uh, in that usage if they do play that way. Yeah, so mine's going to be Marvin Bagley. Last season, 12 points, 6.4 rebounds, 0.9 assists. A lot of people forget he was also a former number two overall pick. I feel like the number two overall picks, especially in like the last, I don't know, five, seven years have not been like high-end players, guys like Marvin Bagley, James Wiseman, Lonzo Ball. I mean, just kind of seemed like the number two overall pick has had like a negative trend or a negative correlation. Be kind of curious to see like as far as top five picks, like which pick ends up being like like really bad, like if it's the number four spot, number two spot. Well, anyways, Marvin Bagley obviously spent his first couple of seasons with Sacramento, really established himself. Last season, again, 25 games started, 42 games played. A struggle with injuries a lot throughout his career, and that's something that's held him back. But he's got tremendous talent. I mean, he was drafted at the number two spot for a reason. It's because he's got tremendous talent. The biggest thing is, can he stay on the court, and how successful can he be for the Pistons this season? I think he does have an opportunity to be really successful for them. I think he's a good interior player. Obviously not going to shoot it beyond the arc, but you know, a good interior player improves his free throw shooting at least to a certain extent, so that's obviously good. So there's a lot of good things heading in the right direction for a guy like Marvin Bagley. Biggest question mark that I have with him is how well is he going to play moving forward? And that's, I guess, a tall tale task. I mean, what's going to happen with him moving forward? Is he going to be one of those guys that can be a solid role player off the bench? Can he eventually become a starter? I mean, what are those, those, key, those key things going to be for him? I don't know. But I do believe that there's a lot of potential for him to grow and continue to be, you know, a successful player in the league. Even though he hasn't really been, I think he's been more of an underrated player in this league. So I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to do for the Pistons this season, as he what he did last season. All right, go ahead and give me your team MVP. So my team MVP, I have Cade Cunningham. Uh, I think Cade's the easy option here. I think he's probably the most talented player on this team. Uh, um, Last year, basically, it was 20 points per game. Did have the injury, only played in 12 games. Rookie year, he only played 64 games. Uh, but combined between his first two years, uh, 76 games, he's averaging basically 33 minutes a game, 17.8 points per game. He does have 3.6 turnovers per game and a little bit above 3 fouls per game. Uh, but 1.2 uh, steals per game, 0.7 blocks. 5.6 uh, assists, 5.6 rebounds. Uh, from three, he shoots 30.9% there. So as you mentioned, that's something he, he's going to need to work on. But 40 from the field, uh, free throw percentage, 84.4. So that's solid there. I think that he's going to be the leader of this team. Uh, he just turned 22 two days ago. So happy late birthday, Cade. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think Cade's going to be uh, the number one guy there. I think he's going to take a step forward. He started to take a step forward last year before the injury, and I think but this team's going to play a lot better than they have the last couple of years. 
Yeah, I think Cade's going to be the team MVP. I think this one's an obvious one. I mean, there's some good surrounding pieces that the Pistons do have. But at the end of the day, like, Cade Cunningham, especially coming out of the draft, was extremely hyped. I know a lot of number one picks are hyped, but Cade was one of those guys that just consistently was hyped because they reminded he was reminded a lot of, like, Russell Westbrook and just the ability to play there. So that's something that I think excites me about Cade Cunningham. And like I said, I think he's going to, as long as he's able to stay healthy, he's going to be a very reliable option for the Pistons to use, not only this season, but down the line as well. Okay, what about key draft picks as well as free agents or offseason moves? So my first one's got to be their first round pick, uh, Azir Thompson. Azir Thompson uh, was the league MVP of OTE, so I don't know how much you guys put big credit on OTE, but he was the league MVP. Average 16.3 points per game, 7.1 rebounds, 6.1 assists as the point guard there. Uh, I do have his playoff stats also. When the playoffs came around, he also turned it up. Became more of a scorer than a distributor. Averaged 21 points per game, so five there. Uh, rebounds were down, went to 5.2. Assists at 4.8. So every, his rebounds and assists both went down, but his points per game went up. Uh, he shot very well also there. And that was one of his big things also, both the Twins worked on during the offseason before was their shooting. You could see that in their numbers. Their shooting, his shooting percentage did go up. Uh, so he's going to be my first one. I think he's going to be a really good player for them. I think he's going to be more of the plug-and-play uh, type of guy, 6'7", uh, guard-forward combo. He'll probably start at the 3, if I, if I would guess, uh, kind of one of those uh, either bigger guards in some situations or just play at that number 3 spot, small forward. And then the last one, my second uh, draft pick, I'm going to have Tosan Evabuanen. I, I completely probably butchered, butchered that. That was bad. Uh, <laughs> but uh, coming out of uh, Princeton, I mean, again, it's Princeton, uh, Ivy League. Like, he was two-time Ivy League, Ivy League tournament MVP. I get it. Uh, but 15.1 points per game, 6.3 rebounds, 4.9 assists, 51.5% from Killed 32.4 from three, a pretty bad 65.5% from free throw. So that needs work. I don't think he's going to play really. I think he's going to be more of a G League guy, but he could be a guy in, down the road that could be coming off the bench. I just don't really see him doing anything. He needs to prove a little bit, He needs to probably prove more in the G League now, uh, especially coming out of an Ivy League type school where they're playing more Ivy League type teams where it's not really anyone else where you're not playing a Kentucky or Duke type uh, programs. And then uh, for free agents, I'm gonna my big one's going to be Monte Morris. Uh, I think Monte Morris has been a solid player throughout his career. Feels like he's also – he's one of those guys who you think are, he's really old, but he's still only 28 years old. Uh, was with the Nuggets uh, last couple of years, was with the Wizards. Or early on his career, then was with the Wizards. Last year, 10.3 points per game, 3.4 rebounds, point three assists, 48% from the field, 38.2 from three, 83.1 uh, from the free throw. Solid player. Um, I'd say he's probably more of a true point guard, if anything. Uh, he is able to, he does have scoring capabilities, give you 10 points per game, five assists. Uh, definitely going to be a guy coming off the bench. Uh, I don't see him starting a whole lot. But again, one of those uh, true point guards who's able to come off the bench like that and um, be able to kind of command the team is definitely – a plus, a plus with a team like this who is a little bit older, or sorry, is a little bit younger. Yeah, so Azar Thompson, guard forward from overtime elite, experience with professional basketball. I think that's, you know, a big thing now, especially with 
the day and age of these basketball players that decide to go the overtime elite route or go a different route compared to, you know, the traditional college route. I think it's interesting. I don't know if it's the right decisions at times. I mean, obviously it's great when you're able to make money and play basketball, but you're getting that collegiate experience, but then you're also getting professional basketball experience. Highlight level plays is what's been his calling card. I mean, that's where he's gotten his known from, just posterizing dunks, all that good stuff. He's athletic and a very versatile guard, which is something that I think the Pistons have but can always use more of. Good on, um, sorry, takes away the ball by getting to the passing lanes, which again helps with the defense for obvious reasons. But I think more than anything with the, the Pistons is they just need to have consistency from the defensive side with, with guys like this and having success there. And I think that is something that he does provide them with a lot of opportunity of growth, um, which is something that's obviously huge for them. And he's a polished his shooting. If he polishes his shooting, he'll be great. He'll be one of the better players in all the league. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why a lot of people were excited to see what he's going to be able to do um, You know, now that he's out of overtime elite and, and with the Detroit Pistons. So, again, a lot of opportunity for growth. He's already been a growing player, but I think he's going to continue to grow moving forward for them. And then Marcus Master, guard from Houston, another guy that I'm high on. Relatively good three-point shooter, 37% three-point shooter in college. He was great at creating shots, which is one of the things that excites me a lot about him. I think he's one of those guys that has tremendous success you know, with, with creating shots. He's a good on-ball defender, something I think the Pistons do need. I think they have some good core defenders, but being a good uh, overall defender as well is huge. Um, and then, you know, I think he needs to improve his passing and facilitating. He's a bit small, needs to add some weight to compete with the rest of the NBA. But he's got good versatility on the defensive side, which is something that's huge for him. And I think in the longevity scheme, I feel like they're like kind of like the Pacers where they have a lot of good guards, maybe not as much, um, you know, just power play as far as centers or forwards and all that stuff. And that's okay, but you need to find a healthy balance between the two, in my opinion. And then there was no really free agent moves that really stuck out to me. I mean, I don't think they really made anything that was worth noting. All right, what about your two keys to success? So for my two keys to success, my first one is going to play through your fundamental pieces. I mean, you have Kate Cunningham, you have Ivy, you have guys like Duran, Azir Thompson. Play through them as much as possible. Uh, I know Bohan's there. I think there's a good chance uh, Bohan could get traded. Uh, I think this is not. This is going to be like a smaller version of like OKC where – it's not really they're trading way they're kind of like away from a, the draft picks now at this point and they more have their guys they're just kind of waiting for them to develop compared to OKC where they have most of their guys they're just waiting for them to develop but they also still have a shit ton of first round picks from like everyone in the league <laughs> uh, so I don't think it's quite that situation but I think they're going to be start trading way while some of these guys who are a little bit older uh, to other teams that are contending who do need a guy like Bohan on their team, that offensive spark either coming off the bench or can plug right into the lineup and give them a good amount of points per game. Uh, so just play through those pieces. I mean, again, there are so, everyone on this team is pretty young. I mean, Duran still pro- is, was the youngest guy last year. Uh, Cade's still really young. Azir's, what, probably ni- is like 19, 20. Cade's right around, right around that age as well. I mean, okay, Cade's 22, so he's a little, little bit older. Quote, quote. But I mean, like, as a whole, I mean, Wiseman's still decently young. Bagley's still decently young. You have decently young guys who uh, the team is starting to be built around. Uh, just play through them. And then gain experience is also along the same lines. Like, uh, everyone's so young. Just let them play. 
you're not playing for anything this year. Obviously, yes, you still want to win games, but on the other hand, like having another lottery pick, uh, even if it's towards the end, I'd rather have that than be jumped out of the lottery because I won two more games that really didn't mean anything. Yeah, so for me, the first thing I said was start the rebuilding process, and that means you know start to get the rebuilding phase going. I mean, they have a good centerpiece for it, but like I said, um, I just don't think they're going to be any any good this season. So why well, don't continue to add pieces? It doesn't mean you have to get the number one overall pick. I mean, sometimes it works out, other times it doesn't. But continue to find ways to have success. Continue to find ways to you know lead and, and be successful as a whole and, and find ways, like I said, to succeed. Because if you're able to do that, then you're in a far better position, even if you go through some painful years. I mean, look, remember when the 76ers were like, man, they, they can't win a game to save their life. They have a, they're pick up all these first-round picks. And look where they're at right now. They still haven't won a championship, but they're at least competing for it and moving in the right direction there. So that is something to worth note. I'm not saying it's going to be a similar thing that happened, but again, impatient 76ers fans are pretty happy of what they what had happened before there. And then secondly, I put find ways to steal some games. Like you're going to win some games, but you know, find ways to steal some, whether that's against a good team or whether that's morale boosters or getting guys better, like whatever it is, find ways to steal games and, uh, and have success there. And if you're able to do that, like I said, I think it's, it's, it's good. It's a win, even though maybe it's not a win on the stat sheet or a win in the win column. It's a win as far as getting guys prepared and getting guys more affiliated for success in the NBA. Cause that's, Ultimately, what you want to do if you're a Pistons fan is you want to see your team not necessarily lose, but just guys develop and start to prosper. Because once that starts happening, I mean, they're in a far better position. And, you know, you have more to cheer about compared to, you know, all the, uh, the downfalls and the defeats that you may or may not face. Okay, your standings prediction. So, yeah, I'm, I'm probably a little bit higher on this team than you are. I'm finishing 12. Uh, they're not going to make the play playing game this year. Uh, maybe next year there's a chance, or in two years, probably better chance. Uh, obviously you have the guys who are going to make make the playoffs. Uh, there's basically no doubt in my mind with a lot of those teams. Uh, you have guys who are definitely above them still. I mean, you have guys like the Hawks, Nets, Pacers. I have all above them. Uh, same with like the Bulls, the Raptors. They're probably all going to be above them uh, as a whole, but I think the Pistons will be solid. Uh, I don't think they're going to be bad, but they're just super young, and they have guys who still need to prove uh, that they should be on the team like a Wiseman or Bagley, even though they were top picks. They've already moved on from their original team that are now here for a reason. Yeah, so I'm going to go with 15th. <laughs> I don't think this team is, is – I think this team is the worst and probably the worst in the NBA – Look, I mean, this Pistons team is in the right path, but they're far from being great. They were terrible last season. I think they finished last last season. If not, they finished pretty close to it. They were a disaster. And, yeah, they had some injuries that, that were a part of it, and I understand that's part of it. But for me, I got to see a little bit more consistency to put them any higher than last. But who knows? I got some other teams there that we'll talk about a little bit later as the show's progress that – can also fit in that 15th mix, but I don't think they'll make the postseason. But who knows? I always feel like there's that one surprise team every year that ends up making the postseason when nobody expects them to. And it's always like a fun tale to story to just see. So maybe this is the Pistons, but for me, I don't think it's going to happen. I think they have a good future, though, and I think they have a bright future, which is something for Pistons fans that they can look forward to. But as far as immediate success, I don't see it happening at least this season. 
Well, thank you guys for listening to another episode of The Truth. I hope you guys did enjoy it. If you guys did, make sure you follow The Truth on Twitter at The Truth as One to stay up to date with the latest information regarding The Truth, including podcast dates, podcast uploads, and other important information of value. Make sure you do follow The Truth on Instagram as well as TikTok at the.tt.truth as well. We're going to be doing some Instagram lives on there as well, so make sure you guys are staying up to date with that. And you guys are prepared for your upcoming fantasy weeks. And also make sure you guys join us tomorrow. We have the Milwaukee Bucks, a little bit more of a fun team to talk about here. So hopefully you guys do come back and join us for that. Until next time, I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Hessen, joined once again by AJ Ponciano. Take care and good night.